Today on this episode of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. This wave of immunotherapy where we're able to give a treatment that harnesses the body's own immune system to recognize and attack cancer cells in the body is really uh, sort of mind-blowing. Today, Dr. Amit Mehta, an oncologist, joins the podcast to discuss topics in medical oncology for this edition of the PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. I'm your host, Senior VP, Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, and joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Amit Mehta. Dr. Mehta is a medical oncologist at Premier Hematology and Oncology, affiliated with Duke Regional Hospital in Durham, North Carolina. Dr. Mehta, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Thanks very much for having me. Can you describe your clinical practice setting and scope of practice for my audience? Yeah, so I've been uh, practicing for now about uh, almost 17 years and uh, mainly focus on GU oncology, so prostate cancer, kidney cancer, uh, bladder cancer, et cetera. I also, nowadays, uh, that I'm not in the university anymore, but in private practice, I see other general uh, medical oncology as well, but still primarily focus on GU medical oncology. Okay. And as a physician myself and folks who listen to this podcast know that I'm always interested in others' paths into the career of medicine. Can you share yours? Yeah, actually, it's a great question. It's always an interesting question, I think, when people ask, you know, why you go into the medical field. And part of it really was when I was uh, in high school, even in early college, and you're thinking about, well, what field are you going to go into and all that kind of stuff. Medicine was something I was thinking about, but I didn't really decide until early college. And the way I thought about it was that, A, I want to really do something that I feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives. And that's also what kind of drove me into oncology specifically, because I felt that cancer, of course, is uh, critically serious illness, obviously, and life-threatening and so forth. So part of my undergraduate research work was in uh, lab research in uh, oncology. So that was in, in cells and mice and so forth. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my background uh, initially as an undergraduate student. And what you know, inspired me to go into med- medicine in general and specifically oncology with that early uh, introduction to it. So I felt like in oncology, you're really involved with patients' lives. You're really trying to make a difference. It's really exciting because of the cutting edge nature of oncology. So many cool new therapies are coming, coming out and new pathways discovered and new therapeutics discovered and pretty inspiring in that kind of way. And it's definitely not a stagnant field clearly in medical oncology, as you know. So that kind of co- combination of factors led me to go into medicine in general, but also oncology specifically. Uh, and the last big piece of it is I feel like medical oncology is a field in medicine that you really are involved with patients' lives. You really, you know, get to know the patients, their families. And that was also something I gravitated towards, that I wanted that type of experience as a physician was that you really are with the patients. You really know the patients. One of my best uh, mentors uh, in medical school on one of my rotations was uh, a medical oncologist. And I learned more about dealing with patients than oncology per se from that instructor. So that was very true to what you say. So as an oncologist, just recently, um, President Biden talked about an oncology moonshot. Thoughts on that? It must be exciting to be in the field. And when, you know, the leader of our nation said, we're going to put the full force of the federal government behind this. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting because I think ultimately to make these things operational, where we achieve the goals that we hope to achieve in 
our medical work, you know, what you and I do and, you know, all oncologists across the country, is that it requires support from a governmental level, um, organizational level on a big picture scale. So I think that's definitely inspiring. It's definitely helpful that, okay, the, the we have uh, real forces behind us to help propel us to the goals we hope to achieve. And it's, it's interesting thinking about, uh, thinking back at where we've come in oncology, where uh, 50 plus years ago, there was basically nothing. American Cancer Society was barely founded and so forth in around the late 60s and so forth. So really, you know, we've come such a long way and now we have like the president and government forces that are really propelling us to hopefully achieve the dreams we hope to achieve. And, you know, I always temper it with a little bit of, you know, cancer research, of course, takes a, is a lot of painstaking work. It takes time. I often use the analogy that often the breakthroughs come like singles rather than home runs, but at least we're moving forward in the right direction. And I also understand that you authored a book called Seven Types of Doctors. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, you know, what, what I was struck by over the years, you know, between academic practice and, you know, outpatient private practice, and of course, talking to so many of your friends and colleagues, you know, other physicians practicing across the country, mm -hmm. is we deal with so many other factors uh, that are impeding our ability to practice medicine in general, insurance companies and all kinds of other barriers that get in the way. And what it's kind of led to is this sort of uh, confluence of forces that makes us uh, becoming more and more frustrated with daily clinical practice. And I think it's a shame because after all we want in the country, we want the best and brightest, you know, individuals, at least enough of them going into the medical field to help after all the general population deal with serious illnesses like cancer or heart disease or whatnot. And with all these, you know, various uh, medical system forces, uh, you know, local monopolies and uh, medical insurance barriers and so forth and so on, this is increasingly frustrating doctors' ability to practice and impeding doctors' ability to practice medicine. And it's causing people to either burn out, leave clinical medicine, uh, retire early, all these kind of factors that are ultimately, I think, harming the general health of patients across the country. Because the more of us that leave active medicine or aren't engaged with patient care, that's after all the heart of medicine, right? So if we're not involved with that, and you know, there's only so much an individual physician can do. We might say that, well, we throw our hands up. Well, what can I do? The insurance company is denying medicine X. And I guess I'll go to medicine Y. But it's sad, I think, that in the United States of America, we have to uh, select perhaps a therapy that isn't the best data-driven therapy because of other system barriers. So what I talk about in the book, you know, the very quick nutshell is that I wanted to kind of bring awareness and attention to this issue to the broader kind of public and maybe even people who are more politically savvy than I may be, where uh, kind of speaking of cancer moonshot and those type of efforts on a government level is that I think that in order to get medicine on the right path where we deliver the best health care for citizens across the country, we have to fix several things, obviously. But I want to highlight some of the awareness of this, like how doctors' ability to practice medicine directly, you know, on a on the ground level is being harmed and interfered with on a day-to-day -day basis, literally. So in the book, to make it a little bit more personable and relatable, hopefully, for the public, is that I interviewed 40 some odd 
doctors in all kinds of specialties, emergency medicine and internal medicine and dermatology and surgery and oncology, et cetera, et cetera, to share like real stories about what doctors are going through. So patients and the general public realizes or kind of sees firsthand, kind of like behind the scenes, what's really happening there? Why is it so frustrating for us? And why are we leaving clinical medicine? So hopefully, you know, this builds a little bit of awareness or adds to the awareness that we can, you know, make some positive changes to get us a little bit more on the right path and where we are right now, in my opinion. No, and I, I actually had a chance to take a look at the foreword and so forth. And, and it's really a great read. And I, I plan on reading the, the rest of the book. Um, so who would the audience for this book be? And most importantly, where could folks get it? Yeah, so the audience is the general public. Uh, it's really meant to be anybody who's a general interested public or, you know, uh, perhaps those who may be uh, dealing with health issues themselves, or maybe they have a parent or loved one dealing with health issues themselves. And they want to understand more about what's really affecting medical care in the United States. And it's available on Amazon. And Barnes and Nobles, okay. uh, so pretty easy to uh, obtain, you know, via those, uh, you know, pretty standard outlets. But Amazon Barnes and Nobles has uh, the book available as a paperback or ebook. Okay, great. And you seem to be almost the king of all media. I think you also are working on a website, the Foodie MD. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, actually, it, it's interesting you mentioned this. This is also the genesis, and it's not me, myself. It's uh, myself and five of my uh, medical oncology colleagues. <clears throat> but basically, uh, the question we get all the time, and, you know, you know this also, uh, Tim, is that the patients often ask, or even, you know, friends or family may ask, like, hey, you know, somebody's dealing with cancer or survived cancer or uh, they have a family history of cancer. They always ask, hey, what should I eat? And our tra traditional answer, you know, when I was in training and, you know, including throughout practice was, you know, we kind of gave these vague answers of, well, well, eat a heart healthy diet or eat a general healthy diet. But I, but I was talking to a buddy of mine, another medical oncologist out in Pennsylvania, a good friend of mine from training. And, and we thought we had this kind of moment. We said, you know, I think we can, I, I wish we could give a better answer than something vague in general like that. So we started digging into the literature. So we found like a astonishing number of articles, like published medical articles, you know, whether epidemiological studies or small clinical trials, they're often not large clinical trials, but small clinical trials, epidemiological studies, lab, you know, quality lab research that informs us about a lot of common nutrients and foods that are available, you know, any grocery store that actually have a lot of, you know, not just like hearsay, but uh, shown via different studies varying qualities of evidence, of course, uh, that have evidence for anti-cancer benefit in terms of reducing the risk of recurrence and so forth and so on. And the other message, so we want to kind of uh, essentially bring that to the public and say, okay, we're going to do the heavy lifting for you. We're going to go through all these thousands of studies, et cetera, that we kind of did collectively, myself and the, my five uh, colleagues that are with me on this uh, project. And to summarize the main things for the for different major cancers that have actual published evidence that we believe is quality evidence that somebody could consider incorporating as kind of like an adjunct to their over, like if somebody's getting cancer treatment they got to get the chemo or whatever immunotherapy but this might be a nice adjunct to say okay hey here's a uh, a much more established data driven way to supplement your food and nutrients rather than just general or, you know, also I feel like you're cutting through some of the noise because there's so much noise, of course, in the internet, things you can eat and buy. And, you know, I personally don't recommend to my products any kind of proprietary concoction of something you can purchase on the internet. But I tell you, the nice thing about all these things is that these are available anywhere, you know, green tea, lycopenes, right, you know, exactly.
I was going to say that as a, as a coffee drinker and someone who uses quite a bit of ketchup, I'm really happy to find out about both of those in relationship to cancer. So I think that that's an amazing resource. And I was on there and I would certainly recommend it to anyone, you know, physicians or, or even people who know someone who has cancer. And even if you're interested in preventing cancer, because some of those lists talk about the preventative qualities. So a really useful resource. So one last question, because I want to be respectful of your time. So is there anything that's going on right now in oncology that really has captivated your attention that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I think that the thing that's really inspiring, and we've seen this in the last several years within the field, but uh, it's exciting for the general public to know that we are making dramatic strides in not every cancer type, but in many cancers because of two big movements. You know, the biggest movement is immunotherapy as the backbone, either by itself or as a backbone. But that has transformed several cancers, as you know, Tim, of course. Uh, you know, the prognosis of non-small cell lung cancer, prognosis of metastatic kidney cancer. I mean, I have a lot of patients who are living literally for several years with metastatic kidney cancer, you know, it's not cured suddenly, of course, but you're able to keep them stable for a number of years, which is totally different than I think the general kind of like understandable kind of perception in the public. And also, um, I think that also conveys a little bit of hope to the patient that, oh, by the way, you know, it's no longer that, oh, well, the patient's going to only live a few months and they're going to die, even though there are sad cases like this, of course. But um, this wave of immunotherapy where we're able to give a treatment that harnesses the body's own immune system to recognize and attack cancer cells in the body is really uh, sort of mind-blowing, you know, that it's this successful. And I think that's really the most exciting thing to me. And, you know, there was a data at their last ASCO meeting, of course, uh, we've all seen it, you've seen it, of course, the in, you know, uh, rectal cancer where you were able to obviate chemo and radiation in early stage rectal cancer and only give immunotherapy, a small trial, 18 patients, and all of them got into a complete remission by only immunotherapy, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, talk about amazing. I mean, it's really, I mean, I, even even to like physicians, that's incredible, much less I think the general public to, you know, at least there's the, the message out there is that look, there's real progress, real hope. Hopefully, you know, we'll make more and more headway naturally, but um, clearly moving in the right direction. Well, on that positive note, I'd like to thank you for your time. And this was a great conversation. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. And that's today's episode of The Specialist Spotlight. Thank you for joining. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to our guest, Dr. Amit Mehta, and to Sean Mullen, Dave Meyer, and Kate Rio for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine. <laughs>